Welcome to Fireside with Affinity Podcast. I'm your host, Sheila Teresa, and my hope is that you'll find your answers to all questions relating to migrating to Australia. Have you heard of COVID visa? Do you even know if there is such a visa? Well, in this episode, we are going to chat about what this visa is all about, who can benefit from this visa, the application process, the requirement, the cost, and so on. As you listen to this episode, I would like you to think, is there anyone in your life that can benefit from this visa right now? Without further ado, let's dive into this conversation. Hey, Bifeng. Thanks for coming to another episode of this podcast. Have you done anything differently ever since this restriction that's happening in New South Wales? Um, things that I've done differently. I mean, I've certainly caught up with my high school friends a lot more frequently than I would. Uh, you know, Zoom is fantastic for that. Um, I think the other thing, the other biggest change in my life is it's been a long time since I've put on a suit. Uh, you know, normally probably four days out of five, I would probably wear something formal to go to work. Um, but these days, you know, uh, it, it's basically whatever feels comfortable at home. I know. I wish I have that kind of luxury as well myself. But okay, um, you know, like, of course, this today's we're going to talk about like the COVID visa or like, you know, the subclass 408 visa. Can you tell us like a little bit more about like what is COVID visa? Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, you know, the first time um, a, a client actually came to me and said, can I apply for the COVID visa? I sort of, I was shocked for a minute because I thought, what's this COVID visa? So in essence, uh, what I realized they were asking was that it's, it's a visa subclass that has been around for a long time. It's called the 408 Temporary Activity. And there's, there's a lot of different streams in that visa subclass. Um, and you know one of those is a government-approved activity. And generally, the government can, can put in any activity it wants. Um, you know, for example, the Olympics. And then people can apply for it. And once that event is over, then it's no longer available. So obviously in this case, the government has deemed that, you know, there needs to be a pandemic stream uh, for this particular visa to, to help people to remain in Australia. Mm-hmm. And so what is the specialty of this visa compared to the other temporary visa? Yeah, so, so this is quite unique, this visa. So um, I guess there's a, two different aspects to it. One is for people who are here and have skills to work in the healthcare system and either have found an employer or are working for an employer and need to extend their visa. So such people can can stay here, uh, show proof of employment and can apply for this visa. And it's generally, I think, granted up for a period of 12 months. The other class of people who will end up applying for this are those who might be here on a visitor visa, student visa or working holiday visa. Uh, and time is expiring and they can't go back to the home country because the borders might be closed or there's no flights or the flights are too expensive. And really, it's a bit tricky because it sounds straightforward. Oh, I can't go home, so I'll apply for it. But really, um, you have to also prove that you don't qualify for any other temporary visa in order to be able to apply for this one. This sounds quite complicated. So you mentioned just before that it's only for the healthcare sector. Is that right? Or can any other sector apply for this visa as well? 
Really what the government has defined it as is it's available for people who work in the critical sector. Now healthcare is a big one, right? But we also know currently, you know, supermarkets um, are also part of that critical sector, I, I would think, uh, because, you know, everyone still needs to eat. Uh, and as we saw before, when COVID first started, um, supermarkets couldn't stock shelves quickly enough and Coles and Woolworths and Aldi were um, hiring hundreds of, of new employees just to help stock the shelves and, uh, and, and help serve the customers. Mm. So is there an age limit to applying for this visa? Thankfully not. Oh, that's great. Mm. Wow. So uh, what are the requirements to apply for this visa? So other requirements would sort of fall around, you know, you need to hold health insurance. Uh, so that's one of the other requirements that you probably ne wouldn't necessarily have on a visitor visa. Um, on a student visa, you would, but certainly not on a visitor visa. The other thing is your, your visa must be expiring within the next 28 days or your visa has just expired within the last 28 days. So for example, um, if I'm here on a visitor visa uh, and I've still got about you know 32 days left on it, I technically wouldn't qualify. I would have to wait until I'm within the 28 days to apply for this visa. Mm -hmm. uh, we've also had someone recently who came to us and said, uh, you know, their, their student visa expired beginning of March and now they would like to apply for this visa Unfortunately, that's that's a bit too late. Mm. So I gather that you need to be onshore to be able to apply for this visa. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. So the the next question then is, um, how long does this visa allow me to stay in Australia? Uh, so again, it it depends on you know which category you fall into. So if you are you know one if you are working in the critical sector, they'll most likely give you up to twelve months. Mm -hmm. But if you are in the sector where, uh, in, the, in the category where uh, I can't travel home uh, because the borders in my home country are not open, then they will give you somewhere between three to six months, more likely up to six months, so that you can make travel arrangements to go home once your, uh, the borders in your home country start opening up again. Mm -hmm. So it really depends on what the government decide to give you. Yes, in a mm -hmm. sense, yes. Yeah, so um, do I need to have a job if I want to apply for this visa? Like, say, for example, if I intend to apply for a, you know, an, um vacancy that is available right now in healthcare sector or agriculture or supermarket mm. and things like that, you know, can I apply before I got a job or do I have to show that I've already got a job before I can apply? Yeah. I mean, this is a relatively new stream. So I, I think a lot of people, um, even migration agents, I guess, are, are still figuring out what it looks like. But certainly from what I've seen and heard, you do need to have a job offer or you do need to be working already. Mm. Right. Uh, if you didn't have a job offer, but you had the right skills, um, it might be, you know, it might be a bit harder to get it over the line. Mm. Uh, certainly not within the realms of impossibility, but... Uh, it, it could be a lot harder. Mm. So I know that you mentioned earlier as well that um, you know only those that have visa that is expiring in 28 days um, that can apply for this. So, but the, the question is, how long does it take for this visa to be granted? Currently, there doesn't seem to be a pattern. Um, you know, we 
I have seen some that have been uh, decided upon quite quickly and then there are others who were probably had lodged when it first came out and are probably still waiting for it. Mm. But the good thing is, I mean, when you lodge a visa onshore, generally you get a bridging visa A mm -hmm. that comes with it and what that bridging visa A does is it allows you to stay here uh, legally until a decision is made on the visa that you are applying for. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's pretty safe, I guess. Mm. You don't want to suddenly stay here illegally. That's right. Mm. And so, um, can anyone apply themselves? I mean, people are always welcome to, you know, go on the department's website, call the department, uh, the Department of Home Affairs, to, to gather as much information as they can um, to try and lodge an application themselves. The tricky part with this one is uh, because it is relatively new, this particular stream, uh, and because you do have to prove that you don't qualify for any other visa, I see that as one of the big um, hurdles for people being able to successfully uh, get a visa grant on their own. So, you know, if, if, you, if you are someone who is working in a critical sector, and you do have a source of income, I would still recommend that you go seek uh, professional help for this, even if it's just an initial consultation, mm. because then at least I will point you in the right direction. Mm -hmm. The last thing you want to do is to apply for a visa in Australia and have it refused, because once you've had a visa refused in Australia, that brings up all sorts of um, nasty limitations on what you can and can't do. Mm. So it may prevent you from applying for uh, you know, I would say 80% to 90% of other visas that would be available if you've never had a visa refused whilst you're in Australia. Yeah, right. So I guess, uh, you know, there comes uh, the benefit of having someone like a migration agent to help you in this application. Yeah, I, I would, I mean, you know, I, obviously I leave it up to the, the individual. Mm. Uh, but at a time like this, especially if going back home isn't really an option right now mm. i would say seek professional help mm -hmm. uh, just for peace of mind and just knowing that you've done or you've put together the best application you can with the help of a specialist um and you know that that just maximizes your chances mm. of getting a visa granted mm. i guess like my next question will be a bit sidetrack from the COVID visa mm. i just want to ask if someone probably is a bit tight in the budget right uh, in seeking uh, migration agent advice uh, for, you know, application. Is there a way, perhaps, like, they can still ask for advice, but with a minimal cost? Um, I guess, you know, you can engage a migration agent in different ways. Mm. Uh, one is you can pay for them to do everything for you. Um, another one is where you can probably uh, engage them in a more extensive initial consultation to, to guide you in the right uh, direction. Now, there are people out there who will apply for visas who have never used a migration agent and, and these people probably understand the system quite well. So it's probably worth having a look to see what Facebook forums are available on, on, uh, yeah, uh, on, on Facebook uh, and sometimes you can get really good quality help in there mm. uh, from someone who has done it before. Mm. Um, but again, you know, you sort of um, use those sites at your own risk because yeah. at the end of the day, the person giving you advice is just someone who's um, done it based on their own unique circumstance mm. and it may not be applicable to you. Mm. Uh, but again, you know, I guess the um, 
there is there are or there are resources out there should you decide to use them yeah so i guess i'm just wondering like if affinity migration offer this sort of service where someone can you know prepare all the applications documents and what they're about to launch and just ask uh the affinity migration to like review it is that possible that is possible um Review, general. I mean, we we have done that before, and and definitely is possible. Although we find that maybe the initial consultation is of more value. So we've mm. had a client who've, who's come to us recently and said, "Oh, my partner's here. Um, I just need you to apply for a uh, COVID visa for them." And when I when I was looking at their case, the first thing that went through my mind was, "Do they qualify for any other visa?" Mm. Because if they qualify for another visa. Mm. Their COVID visa application will get rejected. Yeah. So actually, I, you know, my personal opinion is engage someone at the beginning, not at the end, because at the end, uh, you might have spent so much time on it, and you're so close to your own visa expiring, that you know it'll take a lot of work and and be very expensive to to rectify the problem. Mm. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Um, so I guess going back to our conversation on COVID visa, I saw online it says that you know you need to have evidence that you have ongoing. Uh, work in a critical sector, or and that an Australian citizen or permanent resident cannot fill the position. How can you prove? Generally, um, this is very similar to employer-sponsored visas in the way it's worded. Um, but generally, job advertisements are a good one. So, a lot of these uh, hospitals or uh, nursing agencies, or you know, people like that, would probably have put up a um, a job advertisement. And, and they'll just leave it running. Uh, and that's because they probably haven't filled the quota that they need in terms of the employee number of employees that they're looking for. Mm. So that, that's a really good source of uh, evidence to say, I've advertised, but I'm just not getting enough people. Mm. Or I'm not getting the people with the right qualifications that we need. Mm. Yeah. So that comes from the employer? Generally comes from the employer, yes. Right, okay. But uh, as an individual who wants to apply for it, um, they need to then get the evidence from the employer to show. Correct. So hopefully you've already sort of matched up with an employer to, mm-hmm. to have that done, yeah. Yeah, and another requirement that was on the website as well, it says that you need to be a genuine temporary entrant. What does it mean? Genuine temporary entrant is one of those things that uh, catches a lot of people out. What uh, it, At its very essence, what it means is I am in Australia temporarily, and I have every incentive to go back home once my visa ends. It's a very common thing with student visas, particularly. Um, so you just need to reassure the immigration department that you are just here to do a job temporarily, uh, and that you know at the end of that event, you have every uh, reason to go home. And that those reasons could be family, friends, you have a partner overseas, mm. things like that. Mm. So while I'm on this sector, sorry, while I'm on this visa, can I work for another um, sector? Say like, I, you know, I work part-time on this, can I still work on another job that is not related to healthcare? Well, if you have been, uh, well, if you have identified a particular employer who, is, who you, you are going to be working for, immigration can put a limitation on your visa to only work for that employer and to maintain employment for that mm. employer. So, an interesting question, you know, comes up. What happens if I get stood down? Yeah. Well, getting stood down is probably not the same as getting fired or, or getting let go. 
Um, but certainly, it hasn't been tested yet. Uh, but there, it is within their rights to cancel your visa if you are no longer working for that employer. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so can I apply for another visa then? If I, you know, let's say my visa for this one has expired, or you know, I no longer work for healthcare sector, and I'm, you know, I want to still stay in Australia. If you are just staying here to to wait for your, um, I guess, uh, country to open its borders so that you can go home, then yes, there are other options. You know, you can look at the visitor visa. You can look at the, uh, you know, this the COVID visa again, but under the non-working stream. Mm. Um, if you do choose to work for another employer. Then I would recommend you know again speak speak with a um, a migration agent or speak with a specialist, uh, but it it may be worth applying for another um, COVID visa, mm-hmm. nominating the new employer or, or um, indicating that you've got a new employer, mm-hmm. and getting an approval that's in fact linked to that new employer. It's just safer. Yeah. So currently, have you seen a lot of people applying for this visa? I have. Uh, so I'm I'm part of a uh, a network of of migration agents, and I think there's probably almost two thousand of us now in this chat group. And and yeah, I, I see a lot of chatter from the other agents um, saying that you know we've got this candidate applying, that candidate applying. So it's becoming quite popular. Mm. Yep. Yeah, that's really good. Um, I guess there now other options for people to understand in Australia to stay here. Definitely, and and I think you know for people who are here on temporary visas, being able to stay here plus with working rights mm. is so important at this point in time, just so that you can meet your own expenses and and to save up enough money to to buy that plane ticket to to return home yeah. if that is what you want to do at the end of all of this. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. Well, I guess that's the end of um, the questions that I have for you in this episode. Thanks for coming along and answering all my questions. Thanks for having me. And uh, wow, time goes by quickly. Looking forward to the next one. I hope you have enjoyed listening to this episode of Affinity Talks podcast. If you have further questions relating to this visa, you can head to the government website and search for subclass 408. Otherwise, you can also email us at info at affinitymigration.com.au or find us on Facebook Affinity Migration. We would love to hear from you. Have a nice day.